In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to show us what love looks like. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I remember that when I was growing up, I always hated it when the pastor did what I called a swerve, which was something came up in the readings that I knew was going to be hard for the pastor to talk about and to explain, and he would just swerve and say, I'm going to talk about the gospel reading. Now, not that today's gospel reading is particularly easy to understand, but man, we got that epistle reading, right? And that would be so easy for us to swerve from. Uh, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to hit the gas, and we're going to hit that thing head on. And we're, we're going to see where, where this takes us. So uh, what we're talking about um, uh, is that epistle reading that starts off, uh, wives submit to your husbands. And we're, we're going to talk about what that means, and, and uh, we're, we're going to, to really kind of take that in its context, which is oftentimes the problem with that reading, is that it's taken completely outside of its context. And uh, so uh, the, the way that we're going to start this off is we're going to start talking about a TV show that uh, Liz and I. I've been watching. It's called The Handmaid's Tale. Anybody here watch The Handmaid's Tale? Okay, a few of you, a few of you. The rest of you, I'm going to have to catch you up. Um, uh, so it, it comes from a novel from the 1980s uh, uh, by, by an author named Margaret Atwood. And uh, the, the novel and the TV show are all about um, this sort of dystopian future. This future that we hope will never happen. Uh, the, this future in which there's sort of a coup d'etat in the United States of America. And uh, uh, this coincides with a issue with fertility that, that has been going throughout the nation. And, and so people are not able to get pregnant. They're not able to have children. And into the midst of that, there is this sort of nefarious organization that begins calling itself the Republic of Gilead that moves in and sort of ostensibly on, on the outside uh, looks like a Christian organization. They, they use scripture, um, uh, they, they abuse scripture, and what they do is they take over the United States, or at least most of it. And what they do is, is they develop this sort of caste system for the people that live in the old United States, now the Republic of Gilead. And so the caste system means that uh, men are divided into different categories. Uh, some men are commanders, which means that they're sort of the, the top dogs. Uh, other people are more like they're sort of lieutenants. There are some other people that are more like just kind of regular soldiers. And some other people that are just sort of like regular citizens. But that's not really the big deal about Gilead's caste system. Gilead's caste system actually is much worse for Gilead's women. Because Gilead's women are divided into castes as well. The first of these castes is the wives. And the wives are meant to be sort of intellectual and uh, spiritual companions to their husbands. And so that's their role. And then they have other people that are called Marthas. And Martha's, their role is, is a servant role. They are to serve a family that has a husband and a wife, but they themselves are just sort of like a servant concubine that's there. But then you get into the real sort of, well, disturbing one, which is the handmaids. Handmaids are women that have already been proven to be fertile. They, they can have children. 
which in this dystopian world is a very important thing. And so uh, these women then are sort of portioned out to the different families, and their job is, well, to be fertile in kind of a creepy, rapey way. And the show is disturbing. It's disturbing not only because of what you see on the television screen in front of you, which there's plenty of disturbing moments there, but also because it gets you to start thinking about all of the ways in which good things can be twisted and ratcheted out of context and made into something that instead of being something good is now something evil. How that can happen in all sorts of fields. How that can happen in politics. How that can happen in theology. How that can happen in just our relationships with one another. And so as you watch the show, you begin to be sort of untrusting of those institutions. You start watching this show and you start going, well, what power play is at work in all of these different areas of my life? What power play is at work when I go to class? What power play is at work when I go to my job? What power play is at work when I go to my church? What power play is at work whenever I go any place? Which is exactly the problem that we have with a reading that starts off, wives, submit to your husbands. Because a lot of us are just waiting for that moment to say, oh, here it is. I, I, found, I found the place. I found the place where, where this is just all a power play. This whole Christian thing, yeah, on the outside it looks like Jesus loves you and that's all great, but look at this. This, this guy, Paul. Paul is the problem. I love Leviticus. Paul is the problem, right? And we start looking at Paul and we start going, what a misogynistic jerk. He hates women. He has to hate women. That's what's going on in this reading is we're, we're just hearing Paul spew this trash. And Paul is, you know, setting the ball on the tee for the Republic of Gilead to just knock it out of the park. But is that what's going on? And is that actually the way that we feel? Because honestly, in, in terms of culture, th this is an offensive reading to a lot of people in our culture. Just, just, you know, a lot of people won't get past that first sentence because that is so offensive. But yet at the same time, we have this sort of adulation in our culture for this trilogy of books and movies that's called Fifty Shades of Grey. In which we have this, you know, severe dominance and submission thing and everything is okay. Because Anastasia and Christian, they love each other. They might beat each other in their off time, but they love each other. And so you've, you've got this kind of weird, like, oh, okay, like, dominant submission, that's very attractive to me on the one hand, but uh, dominant submission over here in... The Handmaid's Tale, well, that's, uh, that's maybe a bit too far. And so we start going, okay, where do we find the middle ground here? Because we recognize between those things, there has to be a middle ground. 
if, if there's something that's sort of interesting about Fifty Shades of Grey and yet something disturbing about Handmaid's Tale, well, then there has to be some way in which those things start to reconcile with one another. And that's really what's going on here in this reading. I mentioned before that a part of the problem with this reading is that it so often gets read out of context. And a part of that context is the entire book of Ephesians. The entire book of Ephesians, Paul has been writing to the Ephesians and to all of the churches around Ephesus. And he's been writing this letter that has been all about how we all hang in this Christian thing together, how we're all a part of this same body together, how what happened when Jesus came into this world was that God said, I love this world so much that I am going to send my only son in order to die on a cross, raise again from a tomb so that you know that the victory has been won. And then I'm going to commission you to be my body. Commission you to be his body, in fact. But then we get here and we think that all of a sudden Paul is just ADHD. That Paul all of a sudden was like, oh, well, you know, I got done with all of that body stuff. And now I'd like to tell you how to live your life. I'd like to tell you how to be a husband. I'd like to tell you how to be a wife. But that's really not what Paul is doing here. What Paul is doing here is he is drawing out this sort of metaphor. And and he's saying, this is what this is like. This is what love is like. This is what Jesus is like. It's not that Paul is saying, hey, let me give you some marriage advice. And this marriage advice is really simple. Wives submit to your husbands. Husbands sacrifice yourself to your wives. Because that would be honestly, too simplistic. Any of you that are married, no, that's too simplistic. What Paul is doing instead is Paul is saying, hey, pay attention to that. If you want to know what love looks like, If you want to know what love looks like in terms of a marriage, if you want to know what love looks like in terms of your relationship with your parents, if you want to know what love looks like in relationship with your friends, if you want to know what love looks like in terms of your relationship with your employers or your employee, if you want to know what love looks like, period, look at that cross. Because that's what love looks like. That is love. That is the love that draws us together as a family. That is the love that draws us together as a body. That is a love that transcends dominance and submission. Because you see what happens on that cross is actually one of the greatest reversals that mankind has ever seen. God himself, God, the righteous God who created the world by speaking it, that God shows up on earth. That God shows up on earth and he gets down on one knee. That is God's 
engagement moment with us, the church. God says, I'm going to send my son, and my son is going to get down on his knee. He is going to put himself lower than what you ever believe you are as you're going throughout your life. He's going to put himself down on his knee, and he's going to offer up the greatest gift that you could ever imagine, the life of God himself. He's going to offer that up, and he's going to say, will you marry me? Will you be my body? Will you be my bride? Because that's the amazing thing about this reading, is not all of the submission and dominance stuff. It's how we get to be God's body. We've been talking about this since November because we do this thing called an annual focus. If you're new, we'll learn more about that later. But we've been talking about this since November that we are God's body. And maybe a few of you have wondered, how do I get to be God's body? I have not gotten a blood transfusion yet. God hasn't given me any bone marrow. I don't have one of his organs in me. I don't have Jesus' spleen. So how am I his body? You are his body in the same way that that beautiful woman right there is my body. Because I got down on my knee and said, will you be my wife? Will you be my body? Will you live together with me as if we are one flesh? And that is what Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us. And I know dudes... This feels weird for us because we're not used to that role, but this is us too. That God has said, you're my body. You are mine. Not in a biological way, but in a way that is almost deeper than that. A way that is more eternal than that. A way that is more beautiful than that. A way that is more noble than that. A way that is more self-sacrificial than that. A way that is more honorable than that. A way that transcends submission and dominance. Because what happens is that Christ says, this is what that submission looks like for us, the church. It says, get down. Get down on the ground. There's bullets flying all over the place. Sin zinging by our heads. And Christ says, let it hit me. Let it hit me on that cross. Let me take the bullet for you. So that you can continue to live. So that you can continue to be free. It's amazing in this reading that this section, sure, it starts off, wives submit to your husbands, and, uh, you know, it's, oh, offensive. But the bulk of the instructions are the instructions about who, the, who Jesus is. So that we can be free. 
so that we can say, Christ has me covered and I can do whatever. And realistically, in our relationships, if you're married here, that means that wives, that's what this is all about. It's about your freedom. To be whoever you want to be. Because that's about who it is for us in the church. Christ has said, be whoever you want to be. He has even said, you're going to sin. You're going to make me angry. You're still going to be my bride. You're still going to be my wife. You're still going to be my body. And we're still all going to hang together in this. Because that is what love looks like on that cross. So now may you, this week, may you go out into this world remembering that the cross is what love looks like. Not dominance, not submission. The cross. And may that inform you as to how to love those around you. Amen.